Right, so we're live. So awesome. I'll do, so I'll do my little spiel and then we'll get uh, chatting. So yeah, that's okay. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sessions. Um, as you can see from the title, we have a an inspirational young woman who has a who. I've just bought a, I bought a, bought her book a few weeks ago, uh, Beyond the Darkness. It is here. Um, I would say, safe to say that if you bought this book, you wouldn't be disappointed. But anyway, she is an award-winning poet. Um, she's also a climate activist mental health and that's just really really um, <laughs> I mean I mean obviously then more it's obviously she, she does a lot more she's also a musician as well so she's someone who you shouldn't like how do I put this underestimate because she will surprise you thank you um, uh, also if you have Instagram uh, you can. I'll put the links in the description below. But I think I've said enough, so let's just get right to it. So going, so going from the, the beginning. Yeah, I got my coffee you, here. <laughs> yeah. When did you first realise that you had firstly the interest in writing poetry, but also then? Knowing that you wanted to do this as as a as a author, well, uh, I suppose it's always. Um, I might sound quite corny when I say this, but being a poet has been there always. You know, I think poetry is such a beautiful form of expression when it comes to um, dealing with negative emotions, dealing with grief, dealing with mental struggles, which I have obviously in the book. It's um, <coughs> very much displayed that it's kind of a tale of um, mental illness and how it can affect people and how it can break people down. But it's also a tale about building yourself back up and and about how to combat those things and how it doesn't break you or turn you into somebody else. Um, but back to your question, I've always had the inkling that I was a poet. I like to say to people that um, before that even I could form words or put pen to paper that I would even think in poetry, you know, I mean, poetic phrases, metaphor, it's just, it's always been there and it's just something that I really, really love doing. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I, I love poetry. Um, personally, myself, I'm not, it's not something that is within me to write my to do myself, but I can o o totally see the beauty in, beauty in it. Um, just go when I got um, I devoured your book, um, <laughs> um, and the po the po and my particular my particular favorite is the Puppet Master. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I loved all of them, really. I mean... Oh, thank you very much. Um, but, and you say it's like, um, 
like when you're struggling with your own thoughts, it's nice to jot them down, whether it's in poetry form or um, like um, a diary, so to speak. So another one of my favourite is um, Fallen Angel. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so and for those people who are wondering, this is... Um, to go to the back, this is a um, an anthology poetry, so there are more of her stuff that you can find. Um, I'll also put a link to her website down below. Thank you very, well. very much. No, you're welcome. Um, the more people that see your work and see you for the person you are, you know, the better. Because... I think um, I'm such a I feel like I'm so lucky because Beyond the Darkness came out seven months ago now. I think it's bordering on eight. And to kind of see it grow, you know, <coughs> like I like to call it the Beyond the Darkness family because I like to think that everybody that reads it, you know, whether it's liked or not, obviously art and poetry and writing and painting and everything in that field, music, singers, well, it's all very subjective, you know? So. Yeah, so when, so if somebody liked it or not, it's not a personal attack. So it, it's, I think it's quite hard to distinguish sometimes because you feel like, oh, I've written that, you know, it's quite hard to not take it personally. But at the end of the day, you know, I I don't like some poetry. I don't like some um, styles of writing and, and it's never intended as a slight to the writer or the person, you know, I have great respect, but it's just a case of maybe it's just not for some people and that's that's totally okay <laughs> exactly i mean i think and correct me if i'm wrong because like i say i'm not um poetry isn't my forte um but i think i may have built but i think saying that i may have been turned oh well um, <laughs> that is the highest compliment um <laughs> But it's like, and obviously, you know, if there's anything that you don't want to go into, we oh, I think I'm a, yeah, I'm a very open person. So, I mean, yeah, when I, it comes to, sorry. Yeah, it's right. It's like, I'm just, yeah, that's fine. But like, I always like to make sure that, you know, whoever I have on isn't pressured or anything. Thank so you. So, if there's anything you don't want to speak about, then we don't have to. Um, but in terms of your own mental health, um, how has poetry helped you, either emotionally or being able to get over certain situations? I think this the, the big thing about this book um, is that it was written in a year where I suffered mentally so badly that I kind of stopped functioning altogether. And... I, don't, I think I'd read about, you know, what people had been through and I'd heard of people's experiences of what depression can do and what anxiety can do, but I'd never experienced it that heavily. Um, I've been experiencing depression uh, on lots of different ways, <coughs> like almost a roller coaster for about as long as I can remember, really. Um, and this book was written in 2020 which kind of um obviously could relate to everything with the coronavirus starting a lockdown um but more than anything um this book was my love letter to this year you know um i suppose it's a bit of a, an odd statement to make that you are writing a love letter to a year that 
turned your life around you know that you couldn't I couldn't get out of bed most days I mean any day really I couldn't do anything because not only did my mental health deteriorate my physical health did too which they kind of interlink um I think I'm quite an open person that I do struggle with chronic depression chronic anxiety and I am neurodivergent so I am autistic so that is also uh something that I'm quite open about and will I'll happily say that it's influenced me in lots of ways you know but it is who I am so I don't really see autism as a disorder not at all I think it's heavily misconstrued as a disorder when actually it's just a different way of thinking and it's different being wired in a different way you know exactly it's like um exactly it's like my friend um he's um on the autistic he's autistic as he himself um he didn't he didn't find out until he was like in his mid 20s yeah but like exactly like you said like it's just a different way of thinking you know different way of processing learning and so and so on so i completely understand that himself he is a writer himself and you know it's like it's a different planet like when he starts talking about writing or poetry or whatever, it just goes off on a tangent. Yes. Which I like because I like yeah. that. Oh, I, I do that all the time. I mean, um, yeah. as my closest friends can attest to, you know, when you get me started talking about a subject that I'm passionate about or like, I really have to rein myself in to be able to stop, you know, and let other people speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean... I've noticed that when you're passionate about something to the point where you do it every day, like you don't even think about it. So poetry, you can wake up one morning, like like you said, like there were times where you weren't productive, where you weren't out of bed, but you were doing like poetry or writing this book it's like and i think with what's with obviously the previous two years that we've been through i think it's given people a lot more to think about like reflect and i think doing something for yourself is important like yes you know, definitely because as you say, as you rightly say, your mental health as well as your physical health is important. And if there's one thing that can uplift your day or give you a glimpse of hope, of hope, why not do that for yourself? And I think yeah. for a lot of people who have already bought your book, I think for the majority of them, or if not all of them, it's given them a hope. Like if they're having a bad day, they could they could pick go to their favorite one, oh, or even wow. read it. What you know, it's just like, but it's that. But in a way, you're giving something back in a therapy form. Your, yeah, that therapy is poetry. So in a way, I know, mean. I initially wrote the book as to be, because I've always been a reader, I've been an avid literary fanatic since I've been, you know, able to read, you know, um, and this book, I wanted to create my own sort of safe place that people could go and people could know that 
if they're struggling, you know, they're not alone and it does always get better. And it's so, it's so heartwarming to see this, the reaction that this book has had, you know, with friends, close friends, uh, you know, with how people have found comfort in, in this, in this book that I wrote that I didn't expect anybody to read. You know, I think writers mainly write for themselves. And, and that, that's the big thing. You have to write yourself because if you don't, then you're writing to cater to other people. There's no heart and no soul. So it kind of just defeats the point of what a writer should be, especially a poet. And this entire book, I mean, I could give you, I, I will give you at some point yeah. uh, context behind the poems. I will give you like little sneak peeks to why they were written, when they were written. And I mean, but in, in this entire book, you know, really horrific things that shouldn't happen to anybody that have unfortunately happened to me somewhat. I've tried my best to change it and merge it into something that people can look at and not read and find it melancholy maybe or, or find it depressing or making you feel just not negative making you feel negative rather than looking at it and realizing that these things happen you know mental illness affects everybody absolutely everybody and i think that it's one of those things my old friend described it to me once and i've never forgotten it you know as a friend that everybody will meet at some point in their life but people will have known them for longer people would have had more of a connection to them and you know I am talking about mental illness so connection obviously is not in a positive way but I think that I, I don't regret anything I've been through and I think that's something that people ask me quite a lot you know do you feel like you know you would have been better off without it and I think there's so much of my life that I'd have just been better off without but I think that goes for everybody I think everybody goes through things I think everybody goes through good things and bad things and good days and bad days but I don't regret anything because you know an example that I often give is that out of a really horrific year of my life I met my best friend and I wouldn't have met my best friend without that so through all of that bad came something incredibly good that's going to keep being good for the rest of my life so it's you know that's kind of how I feel about life really and you know and that's what my book attests to yeah it's like um it's like for me it's like I have um also um a high violet of you well she says can oh, violet. yeah I can see that Oh yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. I love okay. Violet. Yeah, hi Violet. Um yeah for me, I have a um I have a dark sense of humour, so I tend to so you know, basically I joke about my past because it's again it's a form of therapy. Right? And it's like so I look at things as in a melancholy fashion, but with a little bit smile. Right or whatever, but going back to obviously that, that in terms of um, what's the word? Favorite authors or favorite poets? Who are your inspiration? Oh, here we go. <laughs> We're getting into a big question. So, my favorite book of all time is Jane Eyre. 
and I will say that a million and one times, Charlotte Bronte is my biggest inspiration, you know, for writing, for literature, for everything. I absolutely adore her and, and her writing. I'm a massive fan of classical poets, so Shakespeare, obviously, I'm a huge Shakespearean nerd. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. I look... I love writing an iambic pentameter as well, so you might have noticed that throughout my book. Um, I also like poets such as Lord Byron, not necessarily because of his themes, which are all quite misogynistic to the time, but because of his language and how he writes about love and romance. I think he's very interesting. And I think Keats as well, you know. I mean, I, I'm literally behind my laptop right now. I've got poetry book, poetry book, poetry book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Jane Eyre, um... I did Shakespeare at um, school, um, yeah. about, uh, about uh, Macbeth. I've done Macbeth. Um, I've done uh, Madison Men. Oh, I love Steinbeck. Um, love Steinbeck. Yeah. One um, of my, um, apart from. My new fave, which is of yourself. Um, oh. I loved. Um, <laughs> <I'm shocked. laughs> I love um, Maya Angelou. Oh yeah, 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 um, yeah. I think Maya Angelou is is at the beginning of my book. I wrote the um, quote. I wrote. I wrote the the epitaph, and I wrote that with the quote of Maya Angelou. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, and I think obviously. Um, I would be, and this, and I'm not just saying this just to, you know, for the sake of saying it, but <laughs> um, I will be um, purchasing more of your stuff or your next piece of work. Oh, oh yes. Well, uh, um, speaking of that, yeah. Well, we can get, well, like I say, we can get into that and more and more about like the context of your poem. Don't worry. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I think. I think a lot of people can like see the empathy and they can see if they the way you write that you've been through a lot been through a lot. So they can see that in your poetry yeah. in your in how you've written it. So I think that comes off. And well, I think I really that, and I, Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people hear about your book and left reviews. Yes, yeah. I've been, I've been more than lucky with that. I mean, I every time a review comes through, I, I've just never expected it. And there's so many of them, like one written by my friend, Alexandra, um, who lives in Poland. <coughs> um, she's a writer herself. She wrote an incredible novel called Bunky and the Worms. Uh, I highly recommend that. And she left this entire review and I was just absolutely in tears by the end of it because I never expect I, I, I don't have any expectations for how people are going to feel about my writing you know I, I yeah, have yeah. hopes and wants and wishes you know how I want it to help somebody or how I want it to make somebody feel or how I hope it does and she left this entire review saying how touched she was by it and how moved she was by it and all I could think about in that moment was just how incredibly lucky you know how unexpected and it was it was very very moving for me very very moving yeah um we have a little uh comment by kate dan casey dan 
Um, yeah. Katie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, such um, a lovely comment. Yeah, uh, I hope you're well, Katie, and thank you for the comment. Um, um, a little shameless plug that if you're clearly watching this on YouTube, if you want to give us a little subscribe, um, <laughs> you know, if you want, that's it. Oh, definitely, you know. definitely subscribe. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's like, let me say that. When I, the first time I, when I read the first piece. Yes. The first one, I immediately got Shakespeare vibes. That yes. element. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like myself, I'm not um, ashamed about my feelings or anything like that. Because yes. I think particularly... Particularly for men, we have that stigma, but oh. let's not get into that. But that's a, um, a topic one more time, maybe. Um, but I think um, my, um, well, reading the whole thing really uh, brought a tear to my eyes because I could really, because I'm like, I'm coming to realize that I'm more of an empath than I like to let on. Because yeah. put, I put on these barriers in the yeah. So, I had a few uh, tears, like, oh. especially because, you know, especially, like, um, like uh, my shooting star, um, Unrequited. It's like, and like I say, like, it's not for everyone, but it's, so, and it's also about, you don't really have to connect with it, like, but. I think for me, because I had an emotion to it, yeah. and it just uh, leapt off the page, so to speak. Oh, wow. It just... No, so, yeah, that's for me. And <laughs> You're going to get me choked up on this, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, want to, I just want to make it clear to everyone that this was not rehearsed. I did, <laughs> yeah. I, I did not rehearse this in my head. Goodness like, me. I'll pay you later, I think. For yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, I also know. I also read that you um, did a poem for your brother. Well, it, there's a poem in there for oh. my mom and dad uh, that yeah, actually my mom commissioned me to write. Uh, she gave me. Um, I did a time uh, before the book came out on Twitter where I kind of said, "Friends, I'm going to open up poetry. Would you like me to write you something?" And so many of my uh, dear friends, like my friend Georgia, uh, my friend Katie that we've seen on screen, um, that they were lovely and they and they commissioned me to write something for them. And, and um, my mum did the same. And I said to my mum, I said, "Could I?" include this in my anthology and she said yes I could so I thought it would um kind of like I say be kind of a testament there to I I'm just very proud of that poem that poem itself has won about six or seven awards <laughs> I'm really really proud of it I I think because of that poem I got onto the um top 100 poets of 2021 which was incredible to see um by the I think it was the Cambridge Poetry Journal um which are an international poetry journal that publish you know everybody that they deem as a smaller poet you know um 
and it was such an incredible time and I won elite writer status for 2021 and 2022 so yeah, yeah. um just on reading um you were previously published in the Beacondale Poetry Journal yes the Cambridge the Poetry Journal from the Heart Poetry Anthology the 2021 Poets Yearbook yeah the October edition of the Crossing Board and gained Elite Writer Status of the Year in the top 100 poems of 2021. Yeah, <laughs> it's mental. So, so safe to say, do you do you have a pedigree? A pedigree for pedigree? Oh, degree. <laughs> oh, is it pedigree? Is it pedigree in, in meaning you have for some form of. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I've lost a word. Uh, but you have form for, for basically blowing everyone away with your poetry. Well, I, um, I only I can only try. <laughs> yeah, well, if if that mean if that if on that basis that is by your words saying I try, then then it's clearly a talent. Oh well, thank you. So, I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Um. And forgive me, but I do go all over the place. So. Oh, uh, me too. Me too. Yeah. You don't worry. Um, yeah. Um. It. I mean, because it, it can be a bit awkward if you're not on the same wavelength. So. No, it's fine. I got you. Yeah. I got you totally. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. So. Going. So. I know this may be hard, but let's uh, let's focus on Shakespeare. What particular about Shakespeare do you make some focus do you admire the most? Can't ask me questions uh, like uh, that. <laughs> it, just popped, okay. it just popped into my head. Good question. Hard question. Very good question. Um, I. I am that person who adores Shakespearean tragedy. I mean, I own a complete... I'm just seeing if it's there. No, it's not, but... Because my library... Well, library, bookshelf. Bookshelf and piles of books um, is there. And I own a complete book of the complete works of Shakespeare from 1930 publication. And I'm so... Oh, I just... I love it so much. And... My some of my favourite plays, if you want to kind of <laughs> kind of tell what what maybe that says about me, is I love the Taming of the Shrew. Um, I saw that, which literally blew me away so much because they did a gender swapping version, so all the men played women and all the women played men, and so it was really clever to see in such a different light. Um, and I love I love Macbeth. I love classics like that. I love A Midsummer Night's Dream, Romeo and Juliet, King Lear. You know, um, it just things like that. And all they're considered as very popular. You know, of course they are. But um, <coughs> I just love it. Um, but I mean, about his work writing wise, and and things that I admire there is I love how he structures his work and structures his poetry. Um, he writes in iambic pentameter, which I absolutely adore, and I write in that quite a lot. Um, 
and I love the way he rhymes, you know. I mean, as you can tell, I'm a rhyming poet. Um, I love rhyme. I love to hear it. I'm a lyrical poet, so I will read my poetry out loud to get a sort of rhythm. Um, and I will do that for every poem before I decide to include it in my anthology. Um, there were a few that didn't make the cut, I will say now, uh, that there were a few that didn't, that were too, um, I would say, too full on there were there were too explicit for my anthology and i know i kind of say that after you've read poems like fallen angel yeah. <laughs> um but you know I, I think i made the right choice and i don't regret even my anthology being as is kind of um i've had critiques that it's quite small um but i think it's it's that the reason it's so short is because I didn't want to include any poems outside of that year, because I feel like that's a completely different anthology entirely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, and it's also something. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a critic, so you know. Of, of you know. Um, I mean, I didn't. At the end of the day, it's all about what you're comfortable with doing. At the end of the day, in terms of how many, how much, how much, how many poetry do you do you want? Like so, like for a forty-five page book, um, I think the poetry that is here, that's more than enough to satisfy someone. For like, effectively, you got you've got a year's worth, a year's worth of poetry in this yeah. book. And that's all you need, really, because if you were to do more than that, not to say that they won't be, you know, they won't have the same impact. But what in your? But would it really be an advantage? Maybe not, because like I said, there were a few, a few of them that didn't make the cut. And yeah. I think a forty-five, forty-five page book is perfect because oh thank you you know it's like it it's got a catchy towel it says what it says <laughs> and you know and the rest is is history it's like i going on safety and now there's one poem that i like and let me like look it up because you know, my brain can't. Don't worry, <laughs> I'm the author um, of it, and I still have to look through it. <laughs> yeah, um, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. Uh, oh, what was it? Oh, it's the one where he, where the, where a character was being depicted as if he had a mental health, mental illness. The, sh the Shakespeare play. Yeah, is it to, um, is it to die or is it die not to die or to be? To be oh no, flipping that. Um, it's a it's a play that he wrote, and it had a character that what that was supposedly suffering from mental illness, because apparently, I'm just trying to think of think of it now. I'm trying to think because. That's not telling if it's true, because... Mental... Shakespeare, mental health. Uh. 
uh, for God's sake. Why does my brain have to have a flipping? <laughs> Me you know, every day. Do not thought, worry. Like, not a thought, a brain freeze. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it's like to die or not to die or not to die, I think, is. Mm, or similar. Yeah. yeah, could be. But anyway, yeah, I like that one because it's... um. Even though it's not really based on a mental illness, he depicts the character and he writes it in such a way that you think that the that he is he's a character in the scene. Yeah, yeah. But really, it's like Shakespeare's way of noting at the time what it, you know, because it was all about like um socialist trying to bring social issues into his play. Yeah. Like with certain characters. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I thought that, that that poem or play was really good. Yeah. And that's, what, and that's what I like about it. I mean, there's there's very few Shakespeare plays that I think aren't necessarily good. <clears throat> I mean you have things like Love Labour's um Lost and you have things like um I mean, it's quite interesting because his timeline of his life um, depicts the kind of play he wrote. Because I know for a fact that after he, I think he lost one of his children. And after that, he took to writing tragedies. And I think that's so interesting when you look at somebody's mental health. Because just like my book, he was struggling to cope through a difficult time. So he took to literature. So it's a very, I think people don't realise the power of how much how good of a coping mechanism it is, how, you know, writing itself is so cathartic and it's so um, incredibly powerful again. Like, I, I keep using that word, but it, the power it does hold is just magnificent. It really is. It really does. It's like, it's the, it's the same for, um, well, what's his name? Mozart. It's yes, a way, it's, it's, yeah, it's the same way for Van Gogh. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm a classical painful, musician, so, so you said yeah. Mozart and yeah. my brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like anyone in in history who, was, who is a writer or a musician, at, particularly at that time, They would have gone through a lot, and they would have portrayed that in their writing, their music, and so, so everything that they depict or go through is in it's in their it's in their music writing, their play, and so it's really like a tapestry. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Of what, their life. What are you describing it? Yeah. So, and I think, and when I was at school, like. I watched Shakespeare. I watched Mass of Men, which and I, there is a book called on Mass of Men. I haven't read the book. Oh, I've, I've watched, read the book. I've watched I love the book, the film. I don't. I didn't really rate the film. If I'm honest, I think yeah. I would. I think if I'd have read the book, I'd probably um, prefer the book 
instead. But but that's with everything, really. Um, yeah, I don't anyway. think I've seen the film actually. I think I, I read the book when I was oh goodness me, thirteen, maybe less, maybe younger. Um, and I, and I mean Steinbeck is just an incredible writer. So if you can get your hands on the book, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, is that yeah. Um, I don't it's like I don't really read much. Um yeah. not to say not to say I, I not to say I, I don't, it's just that after because I'm dyslexic, I have to be I can't look at like a white yeah. paper with black ink. So Oh right, right yeah. Um so I'm more of a an audible. Yes, but yeah. It is something I don't want to get back into, and there's a certain, like, I don't want to get back into reading again. And, like I said, like, obviously, you're like, this is going to be top of my list. I want to get six beer and everything. Um, oh, now, if we may do a slight detour mm-hmm. where did the climate activist well I mean? I've always been a climate activist I'm, I'm always I mean I remember when I was doing my A-levels um, before the pandemic which was in 2019 I believe I remember going to climate strikes I was uh, and we made signs you know locally and we, me and my friends at the time, we went and we campaigned and I made a speech about how the the climate is important. You know, I mean, global warming, <clears throat> a lot of people think it's a hoax when actually there's so much evidence to indicate that it does exist and it's currently moving. I mean, I, I respect the people's opinion, of course, but my belief is very, very strong that we should be protecting our environment by getting rid of single-use plastics completely, by recycling constantly by changing things like plastic toothbrushes for bamboo for using things like um anything that's compostable you know i mean it's so there's so much we could do to reduce landfill and to reduce um you know i mean when people fish nowadays the amount of, of plastic that's filling up the ocean that's killing the wildlife i mean how long do we have left you know us the animals you know that inhabit this planet long before we did so it's just I I think it's um such an important topic that often goes overlooked um but I will always advocate for climate well-being I will always advocate for a greener planet I will always advocate for looking after the planet that we live in because after all i mean it's our home haven't we got to look after it and take care of it exactly it's that um and i completely agree with everything you've said i mean i've i've seen these people that you know fair enough okay they have their opinions but it's like the industrial revolution started over 100 years ago Okay, the, the okay the the planet is a, a billion years old, whatever the number is, right? And yes, the sun and yes, you know we're still here. But as I said, climate change, sea sea levels rising. 
no single plastic use, which is the biggest killer. Um, it's like if we have any chance of making a huge difference, then we need to introduce like new ways. You know, definitely. like you said. And, yeah, you know, definitely. It's like I myself, I don't like everything that I have is recyclable. Yeah. Or I put in recycle. Um I don't use any plastics. Um I use like grass straws. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean I do the same. Yeah. Or reusable but, plastic straws. Yeah. Um and it's like um in the next um few days I've got um <clears throat> a member of um just stop oil interviewing okay. and insulate Britain. That's gonna be interesting. That's yeah, very interesting. Um, and you know, for those of you who I wanna like obviously make make it clear on this, like, you know, I'm I understand their concern. I really do. We all want a better world, right? However, I don't agree with their with how they're going about it. Yes, now, yeah, now, I'm totally now, with obviously, you. Now, obviously, I will get into that in that in those episodes, but you know, but I don't know because I don't want to take anything away from this interview here. Okay. So, yeah. um. And going, and you also are a huge proponent of. Let me go to page. Uh, context for. Uh, where is it? A strong proponent. A strong proponent for racial equality and women's rights. Yeah. Which is a huge, a huge um, thing at the minute, especially when we obviously we've had a Black Lives Matter. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I think, you know, I think me personally, this is my opinion. I think institu- institutions like the police. Are his are obviously racist. Oh yes, I yeah definitely. Um, and the same with prisons, they are they are racist through and through, and it's just beggars believe how they can get away, especially with especially with um, George Floyd. Yeah, which, goodness me, I mean, even thinking about that and everything that happened, it it just, it's just mortifying that some people still live in this world, still see people by colour and and the colour of someone's skin. I mean, I myself am a a white person and instead of feeling like I have some sort of privilege that doesn't exist, uh, all I want to do is to kind of show that it's just... 
and use my privilege that I somehow have been given by society to show that racial equality is important and that we're not going to move forward as society until we start realising that maybe a tweet isn't enough, you know? Maybe an Instagram story isn't enough. It's good. It's good to share the message, but nothing's going to change until we do, until the world does, until we see that the world that we live in, we still live in this patriarchal cis white male society we do you know right at the very very top and i think we need to change the fact that there is a top i think we need to change the fact that we are living in some sort of classist system still today and all i want to do is help make a change i want to stand alongside people i want to stand alongside people that are still classed as a minority because they're forced into those categories Exactly, it's like, yeah, so like in on February on February fourth, nineteen thirteen, right, Rosa Parks alongside Martin Luther King um did a formed a movement and obviously at the time she was um you know that bus incident, like the um, Montgomery, the Montgomery bus, bus boycott. Yeah. yeah, right. She, and that was all segregation because, you know, in Alabama at that time, at that period, like it was, made, it was mainly white people. Um, her partner was white um, and he understood. Um, he was actually scared for her safety. But she stood up and fought, and she got, and she basically won the right to sit wherever she wanted. I think we as white people, though, we can speculate, but actually at the yeah. end of the day, we'll never understand fully what somebody has to go through. We'll never yeah. understand that. And and I think the only people that can speak about that are people that have to go through it on the daily exactly. basis. I mean, people that live in the state of the US right now with the racism, but <clears> even <throat> saying that, Britain isn't, you know, any anywhere better. No, the that, fact that people not. are still prejudiced against for the colour of their skin, it, it sickens yeah. me. It, it, God, it sickens me so much. And <laughs> I, I think that yeah. to, act, to properly speak on the subject and proper give authority on it is to... Is I think all we need to do is listen and fight alongside when they, uh, with people that need, and you know, when people tell us, you know, what I mean by yeah. that is like, um, is we can't, I mean, as white people, like I say, we, we don't have authority on anything like that. I mean, we wouldn't want it either. Do you know what I'm no. saying? Like, yeah, there's all we have to do is to be the allies that are needed we need to do more we need to be better we need to listen and we need to learn you know yeah 100 and you know that's that's what i do you know i can i can only be responsible for my actions of what i'm doing definitely as long as I, as long as i'm listening by being here, by not trying to overtake, or you know, or over, you know, or um, like basically keep black voices quiet. No, how about shut up? Exactly. They know what they're talking about because 
they're going through it, we need to step back as you know and just listen because I couldn't have said it better myself. I really couldn't yeah, have. Because I mean, you know, I mean, I think it's, I think the racial issues are more apparent and people are more vocal in America. I don't really see the black. I don't really see the black community in England being as in your face as America, but at the same time, like you said, they could be feeling the same thing, but their experience is different. But we still need to listen because we're not that different. I think the only thing, the only thing that's different is the colour of our skin. I think people need to stop seeing people as things that they can't change. I think exactly. that that goes for everything. I mean, yeah. as soon as you start seeing people as, as what we all have in common, which is being human, you know. I mean, I myself am a lesbian woman. I'm an open homosexual um, woman. But even then, I my pronouns are she, her, they, them. So sometimes I kind of float in between the boundaries of gender and don't really... Sometimes I'll, I'll feel like, yes, I, I'm this strong, confident woman, but sometimes I'll just feel like... I kind of exist and that's just okay you know and um but I I think once people stop deciding to show hate and be hateful to people for the color of their skin for their sexuality you know things that that we cannot change that we're 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 gifted I mean it is a gift every I think the only thing that I can say is that it's beautiful the fact that everyone's different it's beautiful that people love differently. It's beautiful that people look differently. It's beautiful that some people are born, you know, with, <coughs> I don't know, an extra eye. That's beautiful. It's beautiful that people have different hair colours, different skin colours, different eye colours. And that is what humanity should celebrate, people's differences, rather than, you know, uh, zoom in on something and, and use it to be negative, you know? I mean, I've had the majority of people, well, not the majority, that's wrong, but a lot of people um, from an, the older generation in the UK have come up to me and said, well, you just haven't met the right man yet. You just, you haven't, you know, done this, you haven't done that. It's wrong to marry a woman. And all I can think about is how silly that is. Because how is it wrong? How is it wrong for me to exist who I am confidently and unapologetically, you know? And that's the attitude that everybody should have. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I personally haven't had that happen to me as with, like, an older generation come to me and say that. So, you know, I can only imagine how that must have felt. But saying to someone, oh, you should, oh, you should marry a man or whatever, like, like, back in your day, marrying a man, you were considered property. Yeah. Well, so, I think no, not much has changed there today, no, even still. So, you know, I understand it's, uh, I understand it, they're from a different generation, and that's fine. But I think they need to um, do more to support the, this generation of women. And, you know, that includes women's rights. And, you know, what a woman chooses to do with her body is her right. Yeah. And that so is, that's it, point blank, period. Yeah. Like, I don't have control. Like, so let's say, I don't know, 
you were putting on makeup and I said to you, right, oh, um, you don't need makeup. What's that? It's my choice. It's my choice, isn't it? Exactly. And whether I need it or not. Yeah, exactly. I may have a preference, right? Everyone has a preference. You just don't say it. Because at the end of the day, if it makes her, ha- makes her happy, makes her feel confident, what's the problem? I think the there's, I mean, identifying solidarity in women is so important, but I think we also need to look at things like how trans women are treated in the UK when exactly. trans rights are human rights and trans women are women yeah. and trans men are men. And I think that that isn't said enough or talked about. And even yeah. as people... I think whether you're cis or whether you're not or whether whatever your gender is, I think if you should advocate, I think everybody should advocate for trans rights exactly. because I just don't see how, why people are so hateful towards trans people because trans people are doing nothing but existing. And it's nobody's fault that, you know, they were, I think that I don't know if the phrase is right when it's born in the wrong body necessarily, you know, and it's, whatever gender is tied to your heart, whatever is tied into your head that doesn't necessarily fit everything else. And I I just can't even imagine how much stress and dysphoria and genuine upset that would cause. And all I want to do is to use whatever platform or power I have to say until the end of time that trans rights are human rights, that trans people exist. And I will never, ever stop talking about it. Yeah, I will will continue to, you know, do whatever I can as well. I mean, mean, we'll get back onto the main main thing. But the big thing, like, the big thing at the minute that's, like, pissing me off is all all of the um, the turf rhetoric. Oh, don't even, yeah. And, like... (laughs) You know, I can't, I can't be doing it because there's, um, what's her name? Um, J.K. Rowling. Mm, yeah, she can do one. Um, Graham Linehan. Hmm? Graham Linehan. He used to, he uh, wrote Father Ted. Uh, oh, is he, is he a turf? Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I didn't know this. <laughs> Yeah, well, he basically, and he thinks that um, men, as in trans men, right. aren't men, and he thinks that, that trans women aren't real women. Well, that's just absolutely. And, I'm not even gonna. No, I'm... but so, and, you know, I. I mean, I don't. I'm not subscribed to him. I just watch his videos to make him, to make him like make a fool of himself. Really, I just sit, sit back and laugh because it, because it's clearly it's clearly that everything he says, why right, is doing more harm than good. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know what Turfs think that they're going to achieve. Honestly, like, do they think exactly. by constantly being arseholes that they're going to end up that trans people are going to go? You know what? You were right. When actually, it's just complete and utter tosh. It really is. You know, it's just so yeah. ridiculous to even entertain the notions of what they're saying or what they're preaching. You know, it's it's not helpful. It's harmful. 
yeah, exactly, you know, but, you know, anyway, let's... Yeah, onto something okay, a bit more pleasant. Yeah, onto something better, um, instead of just, like, nonsense. Um, so, when you come, so when you, so when it's time for you to write, whether it's for a short period or a long period, what is, what is your method? Well, my process always tends to differ, you know, in what I do. I mean, usually I always write after a big emotional outburst. So me, my relationship with emotions, obviously being a neurodivergent person is different to what it would be for <coughs> somebody who is necessarily neurotypical. Um, and when I feel emotion, I feel it at 100. So it would either go from zero, zero, zero to 100 straight away and that would peak. So after a big emotional outburst is when I tend to do my most authentic writing and my most best writing, if, if you like, the, the, the writing that I consider the most credible um, or that I am proud of myself of, you know. Um, and I mean, a lot of poetry from Beyond the Darkness is written after a very, very um, kind of, I, I, I would say quite a, a hectic episode right quite a feel a lot of feelings a lot of emotions you know yeah yeah um yeah i get i get that because um i journal journal i don't do it every day but it's like 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 you said like it's um it's after an emotional outburst or whatever you've gone through it's a cathartic experience all of that gets let out and on the paper. You don't know you don't necessarily know what you're writing, but you just write and it flows and yeah. it's just a release. And I you know, I mean I do aside from this I run a mental health page and a mental health group and when I'm feeling down or whatever, I do, I may do a live, that's my therapy, or a yeah. journal. And it's the same process, really. There's nothing different. We're all doing the same, it's all, it's, we're all having the same goal. It's just used in a different way. Yeah, definitely. And that's, and that's the beauty of writing. You know, it doesn't have to be all, all somber, all beautiful. It can be, melancholy it can be anything yeah definitely so so but <clears throat> going back to that obviously you've obviously you've listed lifted uh, listed off your favorites Jenna um Shakespeare and those sorts um when you're not writing poetry or anything, what what is your number one constant go to in terms of reading? Um, I'll give you the sun and the sky is everywhere by Jandy Nelson. Both of them. So let me elaborate on that. So those two books are about 
they're, they're written in such a clever way and she is an incredible author she's a new york times best-selling author and um i mean i'll give you the sun is a book about i mean there's there's lgbtq plus representation in it you know with the struggles of coming out and and how to face homophobia or <coughs> internalize homophobia from the character noah i'm not going to spoil too much but then there's um the character jude and the chapters are written in a sequence so one chapter will be written when they're both 14 and because they're twins the next chapter will be written from somebody else's perspective when they're both 16. so it's like you're trying to balance and discover what's going on between two years what have you missed you know it's like you're getting a deep insight into their future but they're obviously i mean you see their relationship and how it they go from very close to very far apart and you're trying as a reader to work out what's happened that sounds very, very interesting. It's incredible. It really is. Yeah. Um, still in poetry um, or any form of writing, um, when it comes to the LGBTQIA plus, um, in terms of representation, I would, I mean, for me, because I, I don't necessarily see a lot of representation of the of the community in terms of poetry, um, plays, and so on. Well, you'd be totally right there. You would be. I mean, the. I think it's so important for younger people to see themselves, and what I mean is that if you are younger and you are feeling like that you, that you don't want to that you're a that you're a girl and, and you don't want to um be with all the boys like you're told to or you're taught to by society you need to see that that's okay and you need to see yeah. somebody in the media you know in the arts <coughs> whether that in itself is films cinema tv you know i think that's so important where you get lgbtq plus actors that are out and open that you can see you can see yourself being them because you see that it's possible. And with writing, I'd like to think, well, I'd hope that maybe one day I can be that person for somebody, that I can be that lesbian writer that other people will look at and go, you know what? I want to do that. You know, I want to be a poet like that. And that is my biggest, biggest dream of all, you know, beyond everything, you, you know that's all the numbers and, and and all the beyond everything that that's meaningless you know at the end of the day sales a meaningless money is meaningless they print more of it every day and but something like that is just absolutely indescribable you know how that would feel to be considered as somebody's somebody being able to see themselves in you and having such a big impact on somebody's life Exactly, you know, it's like when I was when I was um, when I was when I was growing up, like especially through school and going through puberty and all of that. Um, you know, I had that mindset. I thought <clears throat> that excuse me that oh, I had to be in a in a relationship with a woman. Have kids and be happy. But that's the mindset I had. Yeah. 
But over the years, but, yeah, but over the years, I've got to a point where I've learnt about myself in terms of I like my own, I like my own company. Sorry, I'm still on the interview, Alex. It's live. Sorry, my brother came in. <laughs> it's all right. Sorry about that. Right. Yeah, so I learned that I like my own company. Um, I am comfortable in my own body for probably the first time. Yeah. You know, well, I've, come to, I've come to terms. Yeah. And it's like... And obviously, you know, I think, like I said, I think it's really important and vitally important for young people to have that representation because... Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I mean, it, I mean, I know that there's a, there's a school in Scotland that has now introduced LGBTQIA plus um, education. Well, that's in their, in you know, their, the bare minimum that all schools should teach, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just but just more representation in all for, in all media. Oh, but definitely. Just, yeah, yeah. And which will make which will give other people, other young people, a glimpse into another way of life. I think that straight people will never understand. You know the. Um, the power of somebody that's LGBTQIA plus going on stage or screen and, and being open about their sexuality. And I think I've, I've, I've read many interviews from very big actors, you know, that are um, known as, as cis, the cishet, you know, cis heterosexual, um, and that have said, you know, that it's just a label. Why do people need a label? And I think the main reason for their ignorance there is that they've never had to search for themselves like that because they've been you know the normal that society's expected and they've been blessed to be that and i suppose that i i say that just because of the struggles that every gay person or every bi person every pan person every ace person every trans person you know anybody that's in the community has to go through and and i mean my coming out story in itself you know was <laughs> um quite traumatic you know I mean anybody discovering that they're a homosexual or discovering that they're bi or they're not you know what is considered as socially apt um has to go through so much self-loathing that's just unwarranted and has to go through so much um I mean coming out in itself that is the scariest thing you know that you could do I mean I suppose that nobody has to come out I guess you know I mean it could be your own, keep it to yourself. But then again, I think every gay person does have to come out eventually because that everyone has somebody in their life, you know, that maybe, I, I always think that there's going to be one person in your life um, that just won't understand. And I think I've had that. And I think that the majority of people that I know that are also in the community have had that too. And I think it's about changing that. And it's making it to the point where nobody has to come out anymore because it's just, it's just, you know, a heart is a heart. And just because that I love women and just because that I'm attracted to women doesn't make me any less of a 
credible member of society. I mean, I hate society. I'll be honest. I'm, I've always been somebody that's just kind of distanced myself from it. But I think that if we're really going to live in a community like we all should, you know, as people of differences altogether, is we should get rid of the hate just because somebody is gay, just because somebody isn't white, just because somebody is trans. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I will never, ever, ever, ever understand why people are so hateful to people that don't look like what's considered the social normality. Exactly. It's like, you know, I, um, me and, me and my friend, so, um, we went and saw the, the Joker with, um, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, yeah. And, <clears throat> again, this is, this was my takeaway from it. It was, um, a very good depiction of, someone who has a mental illness feels like where there's a there's a particular scene where he's going to his counsellor for his weekly checkup or whatever and she's asking him questions and he's like and she's like how do you feel he's saying how he feels and there's a really cool moment where it's like where he says you're not even listening to me are you yeah i've seen it and and I completely agree with you. And that's, and you know, you could be in a room full of a hundred people and you're still not there. Yeah. And that's how it feels because it, it feels like a looking glass, like Alice Wonderland, looking glass, like on the outside, right, it's like, or smiles, but on the inside, it's like a film that you're trapped within. And it's like, like a very weird depiction, but that's my degree for me, and that's how it feels. And that's, and that's the same way when you're trapped. Yeah. When you're a part of the LGBT tri plus community, right, and you haven't come out yet, or you don't really truly know you know, if you're bisexual, gay, lesbian or whatever, you're trapped. Yeah. Because you've got the added pressure of coming out, which nine times out of ten isn't always smooth because oh, depending yeah. on depending on the type of family you have. Definitely, yeah. Um and support. So yeah, the more education the more support, the better, really. Um, but I think before we end, yeah. um, do you want to quickly run through um, the context? Of... The context of my book? Yes, yeah, yeah, I can do. So have you got any specific poem that you'd like me to go through? Um, <clears throat> or read uh, out, maybe? Uh, let me... Um, Let me, uh, let's do, um, the Puppet Master. 
Okay, okay, right. I will read it out. I wish I knew it off by heart, but unfortunately I do not. Um it's quite a long one, so I'll go as quickly as I can and then I'll I'll you can I'll go into as much depth as you like. Okay. Yeah. Dawn to dusk to perpetual night, visions clouded by teardrops of light, reaching, stretching straight for the sky, collapsing, failing, saying goodbye. To our dreams as they scatter off into the breeze, every lifeless vessel down onto their knees. Head in hands, tears of gold, dreams of beauty getting old. He fell at dawn, yet no one heard. Shush, be quiet, never say a word. You muffled idiot, don't even try. Pointless, worthless, lie after lie. The king was young, old, mad, brave. Stand up, be proper, no way to behave. He digested, consumed, absorbed the debate. Society's curse, society's hate. Fate, he said, as he breathed his last, stripped of the present, alive in the past, clutching the eternal ruins of time. Her beauty wants a ruby, now a dusty nickel or dime. So close to the ground, yet so near the sun, yearning for life, no more walking, she'll run. She stumbles, falls, trips, crashes down. They laugh and they point, my God, what a clown. A dagger plunged deep into her soul, Piece by piece the blade takes its toll. Her years raced against her, the rope starts to tear. Unsupported all alone, no one to help us there. Crumbling, absorbing every vengeful flurries. I guess it's all a bit blurry now, a little bit of a daze. Social pressure screaming, so goddamn loud. Drowning in wars, oppression, prejudice. A society so very proud. Landing, aching, hearts are breaking. Does she finally feel at peace? Who knew death could be so calm? Finally, she was at free from harm. As for him, he lay cosy asleep. A beautiful silence, not a sound, nor a peep. Um, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, context. So, what's the... Was she going through a particular uh, time at this period, or like, like obviously you don't have to go into it, but obviously like the context, like where were you at, so to speak? So this poem is very interesting because it's not actually what you think it's about. So I wrote this poem as a, I cannot remember what he was called. Um, I was studying a king from history. Um, in Egypt and I, I was so interested with how he compared to today's society and I was really quite fixated on this for quite a while um, because I thought it had a it had a big impact on me I suppose because the way that he lived his life he wanted to live it so freely and, and he wanted to do so many things but he couldn't because he had rules to follow but rules that weren't laws necessarily but rules that were more um socially created and created by people he knew and created by people that um he was supposed to look up to he was supposed to love you know things that the gods had set for him so i kind of weaved that in with how i felt if i was in his position and how it would be taking its toll on me so um when i bring up the rope that is tearing i envisioned there a physical rope that somebody's hanging on to on the side of a cliff or a mountain and 
piece by piece you know you can't take anymore it is it's the rope if if you imagine that as being your mental uh, stability the fact that it will tear because when a certain amount of weight goes onto it weight on your shoulders emotionally uh, you know it'll break and that is exactly what happened to me there's so much that was on my shoulders that were just it wasn't decreasing it was getting bigger and all I could do was hang on to this really thin piece of fabric and hope to god that I stayed upright because there were so many times where I nearly fell and just didn't get up again you know and I think rather than thinking of the year um that I I was struggling as that I was on the ground you know falling I think the the more accurate depiction of that is that I was hanging on by a thread and it was painful and there was so much going on and it was hard to carry anything else and and more were kept piling on you know at the time I had no indication of who I was I mean autism as well my therapist was the one who said we need to get you seen we need to get you heard and then from every therapist or person I've spoken to since then has said you know well obviously this is some this is on the spectrum you know and um I think not knowing who you are and not having any sort of personal clarity is something that's very consuming and very hard to deal with um I spent 17 years of my life in a closet that I didn't understand you know I mean for a very long time I I had boyfriends and I lied about to my parents I I lied to them that oh he's so attractive and he's not because it, it made them react in a nice way so I just played over and over again when actually I I never ever ever felt attraction to anybody for a very very long time and that was just because of my own personal repression you know it it wasn't anything it wasn't i wasn't attracted to anybody it was what the moment that i realized why i fixated on so many women and why i never pictured myself with a a groom you know it was always a bride and you get to a point where you stop denying your truth and you start living it and accepting it and becoming agreeable to who you are i mean i could have spent years and years after learning who i was telling myself that you know what I am going to live my the rest of my life in heteronormative denial but I decided very very early on that I was going to be authentically myself while I still was alive you know and I'll always remember my coming out was not easy I won't lie about that it was not easy and it was not well received not not at all um and it took a long time for me to teach if you like and to I had to convince people that I was a lesbian before they believed me. It was always but, but you'd said but you said that you liked this person. You said that you found this person attractive. And all I could think about was you're focusing on the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. not focusing on the fact that I am here bearing my heart and soul to you and you're acting like I've just I don't know, just asked for toast or something. Like <laughs> I Yeah. I I, I just I don't bear my heart and soul very often. I'm not a big talker uh, about my mental health, which is quite silly, um, considering I wrote an entire book on it. But I'm not a talker. I will always be that person that will say, I'm I'm fine, you know. I'll say I'm absolutely fine. And because I, I always feel like my problems are less than other people's, you know. I put myself 
at the very bottom of this list that's, that I've mentally created because I care more about helping other people than I do about helping myself but which I guess can be an advantage but it's also a bit of a curse sometimes when it comes to self-care oh yeah definitely um I'm that way as well like I'd rather put my needs at the lower end yeah and be there for others rather than actually taking the time to be there for me yeah, I'm. I'm like that myself, and you know, believe me, it. You know, they they miss an advantage to it, but also at the same time, there does come a point where it's like, I I do want like, This is what I say to people: if for me to be there for you, I have to take care of myself. That's if very good way to look at it. Yeah, if everything is going fine. And I, if I can look after myself and everything's fine, and I can dedicate time to help others, I yeah. will. And that's how I look at it, you know. So, but I think as, but I think that as a end to an interview, the reading of the poetry of the poem was amazing um, thank you very much and you know um not that again um getting paid for this not um, <laughs> i would urge you to go out and get yourself a copy oh well thank you very much it's been so lovely to speak to you it really has yeah, finally... <laughs> I, yeah i could um i could sit and speak to you all day Oh, you are so um, lovely. Um, I think, I think you know. Again, I just want to clarify that everything that's been, everything that has been said from my point of view was not rehearsed. Uh, <laughs> yes, every, everything <laughs> is authentic. Um, I don't think know, I, I could afford that amount of yeah, kindness. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that you know, I really, I really loved this interview. Um, yeah, me too. I would, I would, um, I would happily, happily have you on again. At oh, some point well, in the thank future. you. I would, I would absolutely love um, to. But yeah, so obviously to the people who have joined us, thank you to Violet the Sky and Katie Dan. Thank yeah, you for yeah. joining. Um, uh, and yeah, obviously, um, if you want to, of course, you can leave us a subscribe. Um, Please do. Only kidding. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, everything, all of our links will be in the description. Oh, well, thank and, you very much. Yeah. Um, if you want someone to look out for, make sure you have Isabel ask you at the top of your list. Oh, well, you are an absolute gem. It's been an um, absolute pleasure. Uh, we've got one last comment. Great interview, deep and interesting by Michelle. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very, very yeah. much. Um, if you want to watch this on replay, you can, um, for those of you. But, yeah, uh, from me and from Isabel, um, have a lovely evening. Um, yeah. Have a great weekend. And, yeah, just thank you. Take care. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye. 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 Let me end.
podcast 